praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but after that, I just soon as pray and go home. <laughs> I've been asking him and teasing him all week. I knew I was going to preach. Dennis asked me a couple of weeks ago, and I'd asked him. I seen him. I think money. I said, "What you going to sing Thursday, Skeeter? I don't know yet. What you going to preach? <laughs> I hope I do good as you. But all kidding aside, it's a blessing to be here with you tonight. I don't know about y'all, but I'm always thankful to hang out with the people of God. And I want to talk to us today out of the book of Philippians tonight. If you got your Bible, you can turn with me to Philippians to the first chapter. And I don't know if you're familiar with the book of Philippians, but it is a great letter. It's an encouraging letter. Um, some of the books that Paul wrote was written to churches where he was having trouble. And um, sometimes that happens in church. But this is a church that is a healthy church. It's a church that he has a very godly, healthy Christ-exalting relationship with. It's the first church that he planted on his second missionary journey that was a Gentile church in Macedonia as he went out there preaching the gospel, planting churches, and this was the church that he goes to. So Paul is the founding pastor of this church. And this is way in, decade over later, that Paul is in prison for preaching the gospel. And just to give you an idea, kind of to help you understand what's going on, as Paul's in prison, one day a member from this church named Epaphroditus shows up with a love offering. He said, Paul, we heard about you. We just want you to know we've been praying for you and we brought this to help you in your hour of need. And this letter is a result of that, that Paul is writing back to the church in Philippi, a church that you're going to see as we read these opening verses that he loves, he has a deep affection for that he loves deeply, and they love him deeply. After all those years, they're still bound together as brothers and sisters, as a family because of Jesus. And I don't know about you, I thank God for Christ, and I thank God for that personal relationship and how the Holy Spirit makes it so real to us and that still small voice that takes that word and speaks into our lives and the reality that Christ is a living risen Savior that lives within us. There's nothing that can take the place of that. But the longer I walk with Christ and the longer I pastor for Him and I seek to minister to His people, the more I realize, though, as important as that vertical relationship is with Jesus, you'll never be who you're supposed to be in Christ, though, without the horizontal relationship of your family, your brothers and your sisters, your church. And Paul is speaking to a church that loves him and he loves them and God is actively at work in them and good things are happening. And I want you to look at it as we start out reading here. Paul writing to this church, he says in verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. If you've been at a church and this is the church where you go regularly to worship Jesus, to encounter an experience with Christ and you're fellowshipping with those believers. It should come to a point where as you go through your day-to-day -day routine that the Holy Spirit is able to invoke into your heart, into your mind and your conscience the remembrance of people. And Paul said that as he lives his life, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine making requests for you, with joy. That ain't always easy. I've prayed for folks before when it was hard to have joy, amen? 
But Paul said, every time God brings you to my heart, every time you come to mind, always, not sometimes, and in every prayer, not some prayers, listen to what he says there, with joy. He said, always in every prayer of my making requests. And he didn't just say for some of you. He said for all of you. And I want you to notice the inclusion of everybody together as Paul writes this book. If you look with me, if you got a Bible and you're following me, if you would look in verse 1, he'd say, Paul and Timothy, bind servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints. It amazes me, he even included the deacons. And if you look there, that was a joke. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. Listen when he goes on and says, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who had begun a good work in you will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. Look at verse 7. Just that it is right for me to think this of you all. That's an amazing statement. We're going to look at that in a minute. Because I have you in my heart. In so much as both in my chains, he's talking about his imprisonment, and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of me of grace. And then he says, for God is my witness. Look at this. How greatly I long for all of you. Every one of you. He says, with the affection of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of pastor I want. But not only that, I want to have that relationship with whoever I have to pastor and are called to. Because if we're not in love with one another with the affection of Jesus Christ, we're not ever going to bring glory to Jesus. We're not ever going to be who God wants us to be in Christ. And I want you to think about this as we preach on the topic tonight about together we grow. There's too many people today in the body of Christ that thinks they can be a lone ranger. They can be on their own. They can live individually apart from the church. And an old black preacher said this when I first got saved in Tennessee, and I never had forgot it. I was somewhere in a revival, and he said, if the, if the church ain't your mama, the Lord probably ain't your daddy. And I've always remembered that. And I don't know about you, if you're going to be healthy, if you're going to grow up and be all that God created us to be, you need a good daddy and you need a good mama, amen? And I'm here to tell you tonight, yes, you need Jesus. You can't be anything without him. Without him, none of it works, but God made it where you need one another. I want you to take a minute, look around you, look at those people sitting next to you. Look behind you, look in front of you, look at them, just look at them for a minute. This might be hard for you to accept or believe, but you need them people. And it might even be harder for you to believe this, but you need them. If they're saved, and if they are walking with Christ, you will never be who you're supposed to be apart from being connected together in Jesus. And guys, there's no doubt about it. God wants us to grow up and not be children to mature. Paul said, when I was a child, he said, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I knew I was going to be preaching this. And the grandchildren has been with us all week. And they told Diane another day, Mama, we think you married a six-year-old. Kind of humbled me. Amen. And I do like to play and cut up with the grandkids. And I do think sometimes growing up is overrated. I'll be honest with you. But when it comes to Jesus and spiritual things, you should have a burden on your heart to grow, to be more in Christ and mature into his likeness. Paul said, brethren, do not be children in your understanding. However, in malice and evil, be babes. But in your understanding, be mature. Peter said, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You see, 
God wants us to grow. Paul's looking at this church, and the verse I want to focus on tonight as we look at this about growing together, Paul's saying, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you, all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And listen to what he says. Being confident of this very thing, that who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, we heard that verse many times, and almost every time I've ever heard it preached, it's applied to us individually. And it can be applied. Application is not wrong to say individually. That's a truth. If God started a work in you, he's going to finish it. But in context here, Paul's speaking it to the whole church. Listen to what he says in that verse. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun this good work in you, he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just then it is right for me to think this of all of you. Think this of you all. And then he says, because I had you in my heart. Now what would it be that gave Paul this great confidence in his heart that he believed with all his might that they were going to finish what God started, he was going to accomplish in their life, which we knew Paul would be speaking and thinking of Christ's likeness. Becoming conformed into the image of Jesus. That's what he gave his life for as he ministered to people. And what made him think that? Well, first of all, he says down below there at the end of that verse, because you are all partakers with me of grace. I don't know about y'all, but grace made a difference in my life. How about you? Amen? When grace came along, you know, like D.L. Moody said, he said, the law showed me how crooked it was, then grace came along and straightened me out, amen? And grace been working on me ever since. I don't know about you, but when I look at my life, it amazes me. When I look at my marriage and my wife and I watch her and I see what Christ has done since he came into our lives, I'm amazed at where we're at. It's like the old saying, I'm not where I need to be and where I should be, but I look and I'm so glad I ain't where I used to be, amen? God is at work. God is moving in our life. In every church I've ever been in, I could see God moving and making a difference. And why I come here and I keep coming here is because God's here. Grace is being made manifest in our lives and the difference that he's doing that. But what makes that happen? What brought that into our life? Well, friends, just what Paul says in the verse above that, and this is what I want us to look at for a moment. Paul says in verse 5, he says, I make requests for y'all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel. Friends, the gospel is what done it. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. The gospel is what makes us all who we are. Do you understand tonight, if it wasn't been for Jesus, most of us wouldn't be here? If it weren't for Jesus, I wouldn't even like y'all. I'd still be like I used to be. I'd still have long hair, probably smoking dope. I'd be dead probably because that was, was killing me. But I would be sitting on a bar stool because that's where I used to hang out. I didn't like the church. My wife didn't even like the church. My sister one time came visit us for Easter, went to church on Easter Sunday. We didn't even go at Easter. And they gave her one of them little cards and she filled it out and put my address on it. <laughs> Next Monday, they come beating on our door. My Diane, my lovely wife that loves Jesus, was mad as a hornet. I can't believe them people come out here. They ain't got no business in our house. We didn't want them in our house because we didn't like the church. Had no use for the church. But Jesus comes along. Man, here we are pastoring one. Amen. We love the church. Man, you know what? Half of y'all in here, I probably would have never met y'all if it wouldn't have been for Jesus. And you've been thankful you never met me before Jesus came along. But you know what? Because of Jesus, we're all united. And we're all one. I don't know about you, but I listen to this and I think about this. Christian community is a beautiful reflection of the gospel's power. 
Well, it keeps blowing my mind that how I look at y'all, how messed up we are and how different we are and how there's no reason that I can logically understand how we can come together down at Bethany and here and all like one another, much less love one another, much less want to hang out with one another. The only reason I can come to is the conclusion is that the gospel did something to you. Amen. Jesus got a hold of you. Grace is in your life and you're a partaker of grace and you're different. And because we're all different, that difference that Christ made is what unites us. Listen to this. In fact, the real genuine Christian community can only exist because of the gospel and its power. A man named D.A. Carsons writes this, and listen to it real close. I'm going to quote it. The church is made up of natural enemies. What binds us together is not common education, common race, Common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common accents, common jobs, or anything else of that sort. Christians come together because they have all been saved by Jesus Christ. They are a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. And you know what? There's people in every church I've had to pastor that I ain't like them. But because of Jesus, I could love them. And friends, I don't know about you, but it's an amazing thing. I left. Why not? Church been there 12 years. Loved them folks. I didn't want to leave them. But God kept putting on my heart. We just trusted Jesus. We came here and he had another group of folks down the road named Bethany that has loved us, that we love them. We've become family. The longer I'm there, the more I'm like Paul. I think about him. I wake up in the morning. He just brings them to my mind, puts the remembrance of them in my heart. And with joy, I pray for them as he puts them on my heart. As I, think, I hope they do for me. Amen. And you know what? Y'all here too. Praying all the time, thinking about Brother Dennis or Brother Skeeter, hanging out with them. And I know they pray for me. Friends, listen to this. The gospel is what unites people together. Think about this church where it was founded. Y'all may be familiar, I hope you are, with Acts chapter 16. That's where the church in the book of Acts on Paul's missionary journey, you even get to see when Paul went there when the church was planted. And if you was to turn with me tonight to chapter 16, you can if you want to. We're just going to look. We're going to come back to here. But in chapter 16, Paul goes to Philippi. The Holy Spirit is dealing with Paul. He's wanting to go to Asia forbids him, says you can't go to Asia, Paul, you got to go to Macedonia. Paul's like, there ain't many Jews over there. <laughs> There's no synagogues. So he has a dream at night, come and help us for a man calling him to Philippi. So he goes to Macedonia and he ends up at Philippi. And as he gets there, led of the Holy Spirit of God on the Sabbath day, if you look with me in chapter 16, verse 13 in the book of Acts, the Bible says on the Sabbath day, that was his day of worship, Luke says, we all went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made and we sat down and spoke to the men, women who met there. You know why they had to go there? They were not enough Jews to have a synagogue. Paul, if you look in the book of Acts, his usual practice, his usual custom was when he went into a new city, he went to the synagogue and he preached Jesus. The Jews run him out and he went and found him some Gentiles and they get saved, amen. <laughs> Here he goes, there is no synagogue. And he, he goes and he speaks to these ladies. Now, I want you to think about this. Look at verse 14. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. Heard us. Friends, what do you think Paul was preaching about? He wasn't telling them about the Bible. He wasn't asking them about sports, fishing. He was telling them about Jesus. Amen. He was preaching the gospel. That's what Paul did. 
And so as Paul goes to these women by the riverside who were meeting there, he begins to speak to them. And now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. The Bible says she was a seller of purple, the city of Thyatira, who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. There's a big difference from hearing and heeding. Amen? And God gave her the grace to trust enough to heed, to obey, to believe. And this woman gets saved. She's number one, first convert in the new church in Philippi. Paul's there. And listen what happens. She got saved. Look at verse 15. And when she and her household were baptized, her whole household got saved. And listen what happened. She begged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay with us. And she persuaded us. Guys, I want to tell you something. Most theologians, Bible scholars, um, commentators believe that it was Lydia's house was the location where the church in Philippi was planted. That's where they started. And Paul has got him a place now where he's working out of and they're meeting. And so he leaves from there one day and they're going back to the riverside where he found Lydia and where she was saved. And as they're walking there, convert number two, there's a little slave girl possessed of a demon. She's possessed of a demon. Her, they're using her for the devil's work. She's fortune telling, making money for her master. And she sees Paul and she recognizes that Paul is a man of God. And the Bible says, if you look right there, it says, now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. The girl followed Paul and as she seen Paul, she was saying, these are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And so Paul's been preaching. She's heard about him. She realizes who he is. And Paul, he's distracted by her. So Paul gets mad. Paul rebukes that demon, puts that demon out. And I believe when the demon left, the Holy Ghost came in. Amen. I can promise you if Paul, she understood that he was a man who had the way of salvation, she's probably a good chance convert number two. Amen. I want you to look at this church, how God's putting together. He's got a rich woman who was a seller of purple. That meant the hose that the rich people wore. She would have been a fashion designer type in our day. She's rich, well-made, got her own house, and now he's going to save a little slave girl. But guys, it gets worse than that. Slave people's owners get so mad, they get Paul thrown in jail. And y'all all heard about the Philippian jailer, man, that's a sermon in itself, amen. Paul gets put in jail. While he's in jail, he gets to praising God. God shows up, sends an earthquake into the um, prison, and the prison jailer, head jailer, gets saved. Now, I want you to think about this church. You're talking about differences here. You got Miss Lydia, wealthy woman, self-made. You got a little slave girl, a little nobody probably. I bet you they never shopped at the same stores. I bet you their families never ate in the same restaurants, but then you throw that jailer in there. He's a blue collar. He ain't well educated. Probably I hadn't been in jail. How about y'all? I ain't never met one yet that I liked. They the meanest people on earth. But man, he gets saved. And now all of a sudden, this is the church. They're meeting at Lydia's. Can you imagine the, the, the talk in Philippi? Did y'all hear about this? This little Jew showed up named Paul. He's preaching about some other Jew that got a... Um, crucified on the cross down in Jerusalem and they buried him. He said he was the Messiah, the Savior of the world and that he's risen from the dead and he's alive. Paul's preaching. Lydia unbelieved him, got saved. She's walking around telling everybody that you need to come to my house and hear about the gospel, the gospel of the good news of God. Then this little slave girl got saved. And now look at this. They're down there and got that bunch from the jailer's family in there with them. Guys, they're as different as night and day. Yet that's the beginning 
of the Philippian church. I look around, y'all, we're just the same. I can promise you when Dennis planted this and started this, there was people rode by and said, that man's crazy. What's he doing? What's he building there? Where's he going to get money to do all this? Who's going to help him? Oh, Jesus, how's he going to do it? Is he going to use everybody that's just like Dennis? Thank God Dennis ain't one that's just looking for people like him. Dennis is looking for anybody who wants Jesus. Anybody who realizes I need grace. And guys, you know what God does when people start doing that and we start promoting the gospel? See, he said, y'all are all partakers. Y'all are all participators in the gospel. See, when you get filled with the, the living spirit and the gospel comes into your life, it doesn't make you a spectator. People who are filled with Jesus come to church, they're participators. This is not a spectator sport. This is a participation. And look, we are all in it together. I love to hear stories. I hear them over and over and over about somebody told somebody and they brought somebody and then they hear the word and they get saved. Man, Dennis has done blessed me so much since I've been here just hearing about what all God has done here. But think about this. They probably... Never ate in the same places. They never shopped in the same place. They never went to the same schools. Yet here they are, the beginning. Now here we are, a decade and a half later. They're still together. Paul's still in love with them. And they're unified. And Paul says, I am convinced that he who started a good work in you is going to finish what he started. Because y'all, from the first day till the day, have been a partaker of the gospel you have experienced what the gospel does. Now I want you to think about this. When we live together as a community of believers, united together in the fellowship of the gospel of Christ, only then will we grow up together to become spiritually mature and complete in our walk with God. I'm going to tell you something. I have not yet met a mature, filled with God Christian who's not plugged into a church, a body of people. I ain't met one yet that God, when you get around him, is mature, you look to him and say, man, God has done a work in that man. He is filled with the grace and the mercy of God, and his spirit is at work in him. Everyone I've ever found that when I get around them, they have been with God's people. And I want you to think about this. The scriptures are loaded with instructions for how believers are to interact and live together in an interdependent community. Have you ever looked at how often the scripture says, one another? I want to read you something. These are exhortations that I'm going to share with you are often called the one another exhortations. These commands and their number make them hard to ignore when you look at the Bible. But if you was to look in the Bible with me, I'm going to get a drink of water right quick. Man, we've been having BBS all week. Whew. Getting up, running the bus, hauling kids. Man, I tell you what, that'll get you, need some help. Amen. But all kidding aside, I want you to look at this. The Bible says in John 13, 4, that we are to love one another. I don't know if you figured this out, but you can't how, learn how to love one another if you stay by yourself. You don't learn how to love a wife unless you get married. You don't know how to love the brethren unless you become part of the brethren. And it ain't always easy. Listen to what it says. Be kindly affectionate to one another, Romans 12, 10. Give preference to one another. Be in agreement with one another. That's Romans 12, 16. Friends, I'm going to tell you something. You know how hard it is to get this many people together with all these different places? I don't know if y'all figured it out yet, but I'm not a cowboy. Because <laughs> I want to get to a cow is out back. <laughs> but I love Dennis. 
And Dennis loves me. I was old hippie before I got saved. Amen. I loved the Grateful Dead and all that kind of junk's where I come out of. But you know what? In Jesus, don't matter how far apart we are. We just called a, a worship leader. Brother Gary, he's our new worship leader. We just called him to our church and hired him. And a lot of people said, he's a little different than us. I said, yeah, you'll go eat with him. He's a lot different than us. He's a Yankee, come out of South Dakota. He, he's a businessman. He, he's pretty educated. Man, I don't know where I came from sometimes. I can't remember. But you know what? He come to our church, and man, I asked him, I said, you like fishing, hunt? Nah, I ain't much on that. I don't really like it. So what do you like? I like golf. I said, I hate golf. I said, God, is this who you're sending to our church? So then we went eight after church to get to know one another. Man, we sat down. They're talking about their house. They're talking about, we just moved, and we've bought a, what was it, an English something. I'm like, what kind of house we got, Diane? All I know is the door locks and the kitchen works. <laughs> but they're talking about this new house they're restoring. So I'm thinking, boy, I might be a little bit out of my element. I'm getting under conviction here already. Then I look over, and Diane's giving me the eye. We're sitting at the table. We went down to the little... Um, Chinese place on Pines Road and they got the little napkins rolled up with the silverware and I look, I just unroll mine, throw the napkin down and I'm sitting there talking. I've got my water, I'm waiting on my soup, amen. I look over there and boy, they done laid it all in a row. Got the napkin laid across their lap. I'm like, man, they got eating etiquette. <laughs> I started to copy them but I said, no. That ain't me. Then he started talking to me. He said, you didn't have a suit on this morning, preacher. Do you wear a suit? I said, only when people die. <laughs> or people get married. He said, well, I like to wear a suit. I said, well, wear yours, brother. That's fine, but we don't wear them. Now, when he came to church this Sunday, his first time on the job, he didn't wear no suit. Amen. Now, next time we eat, I might put my forks in a row. Amen. But I'm just telling you. <laughs> all kidding aside, I got full confidence that because of Jesus, me and him's going to do good together. Amen. Because he loves Jesus. He asked me, what you want me to do, preacher? I said, you sing about Jesus. I'm going to preach about Jesus and we'll be all right. And you know what? We ain't got to all be alike. Do you know how boring it would be? That's what's wrong with some churches. They don't want you in there unless you just like them. And you go there, they're boring. That's why they like one another. I don't know about you. I want diversity. The only thing I want to be the same is the message every time I hear it. That Jesus loves me. That he died for me. That they buried him, but it didn't stop him. He rose again. And he lives to save and change and bless and help. And he's living here tonight. And he'll help you and he'll make you into what you're not. If you only believe in him. That's what it's about. I'm thankful y'all all different. I used to think, man, you know what? These one another things, they get worse. It says, be in agreement with one another. Accept one another. It's not always easy to accept one another. It says, instruct one another. I found out some people don't want to be instructed. That's Romans. Greet one another. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad when I show up at church, there's people glad to see me. How about you? And I'm glad to see them. Hey, how you doing, brother? How you week went? Good to see you. Man, I believe men ought to hug. Amen. Now, Paul said we ought to give each other a holy kiss, but we don't need to get carried away. <laughs> but we ought to be excited. When you enter into your church where you come regularly, there ought to be people that see you, know you, and are glad to see you there. And friends, we ought to all understand that we need to welcome one another. Listen to this one here. It says we ought to serve one another. And I thank God that when I wasn't able, there was people that met me and helped me and served me. And now God's blessed me and I'm able to serve others. The Bible says be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as God also forgave you in Christ Jesus. That's Ephesians 4.32. 
submit to one another. That's pretty close to giving each other preference. Listen to this one. Admonish one another with all wisdom. You see, we all are growing. And I don't know about you, but I thank God for Brother Dennis because every now and then, Brother Dennis will admonish me with wisdom. He don't even know he's doing it sometimes. He's just speaking wisdom that's getting all in my business. <laughs> but you know what? I want to hang out with people who are so filled with wisdom that they're showing me things I don't know yet. That they're teaching me and showing me the things that I'm doing wrong. And they're encouraging me and showing me how to do things right. So if you only hang around people that you always think you're better than, you're going to just not get a lot of help. But I'm thankful for those people he puts around me. And man, I go eat every time he asks me. You want to go eat with us? Yeah, I go eat. Not just because I like to eat. I like to hang out with him and Duke and, and spend time with them. And I got people in my church I like to do that with. And hopefully I admonish some people sometime. But this one here is one that we all need. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says we are to encourage one another, another, and build one another up. And I don't know about you, sometimes this world tears me down. Sometimes I need encouraging. Man, I'm going to tell you, there's many, many ways you can encourage people. But this will tell you this one right here, and then we're going to get moving. Brother Danny Lanier is a preacher back where I come from. He's a big-time evangelist for years, and then he took the biggest church in Meridian. And it's an on-fire church, Northcrest Baptist Church. Man, I'm telling you what, if you go there, you'd, you'd swear they were Pentecostals. But, man, they love the Lord. Brother Danny's a preaching machine filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was out at our church preaching revival, and my preaching watch had broke. And we'd be in my office waiting to get ready to go to church, start the service, and we'd all be in there to pray. And old Marcus, some of y'all met Marcus, he's my worship leader. And, and I'd say, hey, what time is it, Marcus? What time, one of y'all got a watch? Brother Danny said, you ain't got no watch, preacher? I said, well, my preaching watch broke. All I got is my old everyday watch, and it's, it's nasty looking. I don't want to wear it up here on the service. And he said, well, you need a watch. Man, we went all week, the last night, Wednesday night. It ended. started on a Sunday. We was walking out to the car. Brother Danny took this watch off. Handed it to me. He said, Preacher, you ain't got no watch. The Lord told me that first night to give you this watch. <laughs> he said, I'm going to give it to you. He gave it to me. I put it on. Well, I was like, man, Brother Danny, thank you. You don't need to give me this. I'm telling you, a, a Timex, a $35 Timex, that's spurging to me when I buy a watch. Because I tear them up, mess them up. And so anyway, I'm bad about losing them. So anyway, I go to Worked the next day, and Marcus in the office. Marcus, come here, come here. So you know that watch Brother Danny had on? Look here, boy. He gave it to me last night. Marcus said, let me see it. So he took it. He looked at it. He checked it out. Marcus, one of them techno nerds. He runs in there and gets on Google, starts Google. He comes back. He said, Brother Marvin, you ain't believe this, but that watch right there is at least $500. I said, $500? Man, that Sunday I was preaching like this. The Lord said, <laughs> God. <laughs> boy, I'm like this. But you know what? I don't wear this watch every day. In fact, I don't even wear it every Sunday to preach. It lays on my dresser with all my little stuff. I got top lips and stuff. I don't ever wear them much either no more. But I'm going to tell you what, when I see that watch many times, it brings to remembrance Brother Danny. And I say, Lord, thank you for Brother Danny. Lord, wherever he's at today, help him, encourage him. I put it on today. I said, Lord, I don't know what Danny's doing, but Lord, wherever he's at, bless him, Lord. Encourage, because he encouraged me. And I don't know how many times I look at it. Boy, I say, thank you for my watch. Brother Marcus said, you think he'd give me one? <laughs> but you know what? That's what we do. When we find a man in need, a man without, we help him. Listen to this one. Be hospitable to one another. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. You know that one right there? We need to listen to that in our churches. 
I've been in churches where if someone comes forward and starts confessing something to the preacher, everyone's looking and saying, I wonder what's going on at their house. Ooh, they got problems. They ought to be praying for them. And if they get to crying and get a little snot, oh, it's bad. Ooh, they got troubles down there. Man, if someone comes up to the preacher and he's praying and talking to the preacher and he's sobbing and he's broken, you ought not be trying to worry yourself to death about what's wrong with him. You ought to be burdened about how I can help him, how I can pray for him, what I can do to encourage my brother, to let him know I'm there with him. But in a lot of churches, the moment we think something's wrong, boy, it's like a shark smelling blood in some churches. Ooh, and I'm not making this up. Man, I don't know about y'all, but thank God for the humble person who'll be real, who'll be transparent and say, I ain't got it all together, preacher. My family's struggling. Would you pray for me? Yes, sir, I will. And that's why I like Brother Dennis. He's the same realm. He, if you come to him, he's going to help you. He's not going to judge you. I want to tell you what, this is a place where I can promise you, you won't get judged if you'll get honest. But you'll get help. You'll get told about Jesus, and he'll come and help you. The one another commands cannot be lived in isolation, though. They must be lived out with one another. And you can't grow unless you're practicing these things. And you don't even care about practicing unless Jesus is in your heart. And you know what? As I was looking at this and I had this sermon on my mind, something I seen by accident, I was Googling and looking. And I don't know if y'all ever seen this. Y'all ever seen them big redwoods and big sequoia trees? And I'm weird, I'll read crazy stuff. Even when I was little, my mama said I'd read the encyclopedias and stuff. So anyway, I start looking at this, and I found out that just north of San Francisco is the place they call the Muir Woods. And many of y'all have probably been there. It's an incredible forest that causes anybody who goes there to be in awe of these humongous trees that God has created. I mean, they stand above all other trees. They're the great sequoias and the great redwoods. The largest living thing on earth, if you didn't know this, is the sequoia tree, the largest thing. It's 371 feet tall, and it's over 2,000 years old. I want you to think about this. The giant forest that I'm talking about has over 8,000 of these colossal specimens of these great big trees. The largest one is called the General Sherman. Anybody ever heard of him? Listen to the size of this tree. Now, this is a tree. The General Sherman is around 2,100 years old and weighs approximately 2.7 million pounds. It stands almost 275 feet tall and has a trunk more than 100 feet wide. It's the king of the forest. The General Sherman is considered not only the largest living tree in the world, but the largest living organism on the planet by volume. Man, I don't know about y'all, but I got to looking at it. They had these guys from National Geographic climbing it. Check it out. They look like little dots hanging in this tree. It was so big. I want to see them one day. I never have. Then the redwoods, they're the tallest trees. There's one that is 379 feet tall. They call it the Hyperion. That is 70 feet taller than the Statue of Liberty. Now I want y'all to think about this. These trees didn't get there by accident. God put them there, but they had to be in a perfect environment. Do you know there are nowhere else in the world that there is a redwood forest or a sequoia tree forest? except in north, or, um, north Chicago, I'm not Chicago, ooh, that's a long way, California. They both need, need prayer probably. California and Oregon. And you know, I got to looking and I was reading about these things. They have to be in a perfect environment. You know, they'll never grow. They plant them all over still. And they grow and they get big, but none of them will ever reach this. But you know, I got to thinking, I wonder if they ever had any bigger ones. And so I was studying, reading, and you know what? There were a lot of them that are documented back in the 1800s when everybody was, 
you know, pioneers were settling the land. They found them way bigger. I said, man, I wonder why they didn't cut them down. They didn't cut them down. You know what I found out? They left a lot of the big ones standing. But then one day after a matter of time, they all just fell over. And I was like, what did they fall over? So I got to look, and you know what? As big as they are, their root system only goes down between 6 and 12 feet. But it goes out between 50 to 75 feet. And there's even been places where they documented in there where they go over 100 feet. You know what they do? They intertwine with all the other trees. That's why there's 8,000 of them left in that one little spot. And they got to have all of them together to be able to support one another. Some of them even draw nutrients from other ones. They feed one another. The roots intertwine. Guys, I got to think, that's the perfect example of a Christian. You will never grow. You'll never become a sequoia. Where are the sequoias in the church today? Because you'll only become a sequoia together. And you know what they said? They cut them, all the trees down around them. And as the stumps died and the roots died, that tree was standing. And one day it didn't take a storm. It didn't take a hurricane. It didn't take a disease. It just fell over. And I got to looking at me. I'm the same way. If I ain't got y'all around me, supporting me, encouraging me, helping me, and I'm by myself, it won't take much to make me fall. But when I'm with all y'all together and you're all around me and we're all with one another, I want to tell you something, we're a force to be reckoned with. We need one another tonight. I don't know about you, but I'm looking. I thank God for the great sequoias that God's put in my life, spiritual redwoods, that when I look to them, I say, only God can make a man or a woman like this. Thank God they're in our midst. Do you want to be one tonight or are you one? Do you know one? Because, friends, it's possible in Christ when we're plugged in where we need to be. To be made into something when the world sees, they won't see a church that they belittle. They'll see a church that they're awestruck. Can you imagine standing in that forest of those big old trees? I've talked to people that's been there. They said, Marvin, when you walk in amongst them, it just overwhelms you. Friends, when people come into the church... When the church is what the church is supposed to be and Christ has had his way and we're united together, intertwined, helping and serving and the one another's or a reality in our life, they would be in awe of that church. And that's what we need to think about. I don't know about you, but tonight I thank God for the gospel because none of it's possible without that. But I thank God that as the gospel comes into our life and we're united in Christ, that Christ, just as Paul said, I'm confident that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Tonight, I want you to look at your neighbor. I want you to think. If there's one you know here that's going through a hard time, don't just pray for him. Go find him after this service. Put your arm around him and say, Brother, I'm with you. I love you. Sister, I'm here to help you. You know, we just heard about Skeeter sharing about his friend who lost that dear child. Before we leave, we're going to pray together for that man and that lady who lost that child. And guys, I don't know what you're going through tonight, but I know that these people all love Jesus and they all love you. And we're all together in this thing, amen? And so we're going to all together stand for a moment. And as we stand, I'm going to invite you. Maybe someone's on your heart. If you feel led, go find somebody and pray with them. And if you need the gospel tonight, if you need Jesus, as we all stand, heads bowed, and we take a moment to reflect about what we've heard.
Are we plugged into the body of Christ? Do we have a church home that we're really in? That when we come here, all these things are reality in our life? Because this church would love to take you in and disciple you and help you. But it all starts with Jesus. Tonight, do you know there's a day when the gospel came into your life and changed you and brought Jesus into your heart? I'm going to ask you as we stand, if you need Jesus tonight, if you've never been saved, with nobody watching, would you hold up your hand and would you say, pray for me, preacher. I need the Lord. I need Jesus. Well, praise the Lord. Tonight, we're all brothers and sisters, apparently. And I just want us to make a commitment that I'm going to be here for my sisters and brothers in Christ. I'm going to be one of those people who practice those one another commandments. And I'm going to ask you as we pray, pray with me father in heaven we stand before you because of Jesus without him we're nothing but with him we can do all things Lord help us to grow help us to be able to be a witness and an example to others and help us to care for each other to love each other as Christ has loved us thank you father for saving us now use us for your glory. Raise me up and make me a sequoia for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you. I'm going to turn it over to brother. Amen, pastor. Aren't you thankful for the word? The word of God, amen. Thankful for each other. Well, um, as Pastor said, I do think we need to pray for that family tonight. I could not even imagine what they're going through. Um, definitely a tragedy, so we need to keep them in prayer. And um, the prayer request list is on.